It is Locked on Jazz for the 1st of September, an Ask LOJ edition. Why does life go on? What happens if Donovan doesn't get traded? And an interesting all-time jazz question to wrap it all up. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way more fun to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Want to throw a thumbs up into that YouTube site right there if you get a chance. That would be super five-star review on any of your podcast apps would also be great. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz a part of your day. It's your team every day. All right, for, uh, Ask LOJ edition. You guys are great. I mean, I have, I think I have 22 questions all of which I deemed were good. I think I had one that I was like, I don't understand what he wants. And one that was like, okay, we're repeating ourselves. I mean, the questions that came in were just great at hashtag ask LOJ. Cannot thank you enough. So super work. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Next week, the number one question I keep getting is like, how did we get here? And I think that's worthwhile, but I don't think it's, I think it's actually too long of a conversation for kind of a rapid fire ask LOJ show. So we'll get into that. And the second question that I keep getting a lot of is like, what's the route for success here? And I think that's another one. So we'll hit both of those next week. I'll try to get some interviews in as well. All right, let's get to it right away. There's no need to waste. There's no big breaking news story that I'm aware of unless I missed something this morning. Um, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any more hot rumors. The R.J. Barrett story of the week was kind of the story of the week. And then we, um, you know, and then we, we move from there to, uh, to the whether or not the deal's done with the poison pill. And as we talked about earlier in the week, it's really, it's really not um, done with the poison pill. It just has to take different forms and just may not involve R.J. Barrett. And to me, the number one thing that still kind of sits out there as we sit here today is that one Malik Beasley and everyone's eligible to be aggregated in deals, which happens here early in the next week it feels like there's a possibility of some deals that could get done. And then the next piece of that puzzle um, to me is that is really important is that the Knicks have a over-under of 39.5. And so for all of the Knicks' grandeur of holding to their ground and everything about it right now, it feels as though they're going to have to waver at some point in time here because I don't think they can afford to have this type of hype and then go into a season at 39.5. All right, let's get to our first questions of the day, we'll lead it off. Our first one comes in from Aggie Fan. Will life be the same if the Jazz trade my favorite player of all time? I actually kind of feel like this is, you know, I think it's said with some tongue in cheek, but I think there's this kind of feeling of what we're going through, which is this kind of crazy world in which you do, you attach to a player, you believe in them, you buy their jersey, you root for them. And then they move. And we as jazz fans, particularly those that are, you know, it's interesting how old you actually have to be to have really experienced Stockton and Malone at this point. We act like, um, everyone acts like it's this kind of unbelievably tragic thing that took place and that we all experienced it. But frankly, you've got to get, you've got to be like almost 50 now 
to have maybe 45 to have really experienced some of the Stockton Malone, maybe 40 if you kind of take it down. Nonetheless, this is real. Like this is kind of what, what we're going through, which is, you know, I love Donovan Mitchell. I, I love Mike Conley. I love Rudy Gobert. I love Boyan Bogdanovich. And, um, and now all of a sudden they're getting moved. And, you know, am I going to have another guy that I love this much and feel that same pizzazz to? And Donovan had a special, you know, ha- still does, has this kind of special pizzazz to him, had this kind of energy to him, came to us at a perfect time, was a big-time shoe contract superstar in Utah, which we'd never had before. Might be the biggest star we've ever had in Utah. Not the best player, but the biggest star we've ever had. And so there was, you know, people from other parts of the country wearing a Donovan Mitchell jersey, not just Stockton Malone were pretty provincial um, in an era where Michael and, and, you know, David and Hakeem and Patrick and all these other big names were, were floating around. So yeah, I, you know, I, I feel that like I wanted, I started the show on that for the, for the same, for a reason. I think that's kind of how everyone feels like, oh, is this is going to be okay. And it's going to be different. It's going to be a progression and there's going to be new relationships built, but it's, it's definitely, it's a different one and it's a, it's probably a little hard um, for everyone to grasp. But our next question shows are the Jazz trading Donovan because they can't build around him. I mean, three years is a long time, right? So this is Tyler and this is still the same idea of like, wait a second, I don't quite understand why or why now and, and how's this happening and how did we get here? And I do think that, you know, I think the three years works to the Jazz advantage a little bit here that they have some time for this to all take place if they need it to. Um, I think it's the timing. I think it, it has to do with the last few years that the Jazz just may have, that team as it, as it was, may have run its course. And the, what I'll talk about next week is that the scars of that team were so significant that, I, that, they, never, that they weren't able to overcome them. And, and that, I think, is what caused the most difficulty for them and make the decision that there's just, there wasn't a route with that team that gets you to a championship and the route that is. The other one is that, you know, if you're still meandering in the midst of this, trying to get it done with Don, and then he goes to free agency and you don't get anything for him, that that is a detrimental long-term impact on the franchise. I mean, if the franchise is going to keep moving forward, we're going to keep rooting for the Jazz jerseys despite the players changing inside of them. The key is you've got to keep putting the franchise in, in positions to be successful, and the Rudy trade certainly did that. Next one coming in on Ask LOJ today on Locked On Jazz, your team every day. By the way, if you're listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, uh, give me a little hashtag, your team every day over there so I can uh, I can see who it was. I always have fun later in the day kind of scanning through the chat room. Uh, do you think Donovan Mitchell would be willing to play the part of Paul Pierce to fight through a couple of down years if there's a chance of building around him eventually leads to more winning in a few years, I don't think the Knicks with Don are much better than the Jazz with Don um, would be. So this is an interesting, this is the key crux question, that if you look at the history of what Danny Ainge did, is Danny Ainge went into Boston with Paul Pierce and then found a way to rebuild the franchise and kept Paul Pierce as this piece this legendary Boston piece, and Paul Pierce stayed and stayed, and then as they drafted pieces, he moved them and worked them, and then eventually he took the fifth pick and traded it for Ray Allen, and he traded for Kevin Garnett to couple with Paul Pierce, and he held those other key pieces, the Kendrick Perkins along the way, and then that built a championship. And so could you do the same with Donovan Mitchell? Well, I'll say this. I know Danny believes in Donovan Mitchell. Danny believes Donovan Mitchell is terrific um, in that same kind of route and way 
um, that we're talking about, that kind of superstar uh, player. So I do think that there's an element where, yes, um, you know, Danny probably uh, could do this. Now, is Donovan willing to? And is Donovan, you know, I think often players are unwilling to go through some of those hard times with their own team, where if they go somewhere else and then they're building it, they're more willing to. I, I don't think your your comment is flawed that the Jazz rebuilding with Donovan might have a better chance to win than the Knicks rebuilding with Don, reloading with Donovan. Like the Knicks are in an interesting circumstance. I'm not sure. I think that team is completely built to be great. So yeah, I, you could sit down with Don and say like, hey, but most players kind of believe if they go to some place that they'll be able to change it just because of their self confidence. Um, but I do think it's a really you know, is Donovan willing to do that is the question. Like, and, and he may not be. Like, you know, he never chose to be here. Which is not a criticism of Utah. It's the reality of how the league works. You get drafted by someone. You go to that team and then you have the right to move. Most te- players do. I think it's good that they have the right to move. I think, you know, that's, that's the positive part of this um, for player movement and player empowerment. And so maybe Don's like, you know what? Hey. Let me just be really honest with you. I'm not spending years 28 to 34 in Utah. That's just not happening. And so that that's not an option for the Jazz. And then if that's not an option, then they probably are doing the right thing um, in the way that they're conf- addressing this, which is to address this as um, as soon as possible, right? Like is to try to take care of this and get yourself in a winning in a position where your your rebuild is at its maximum strength. It is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, your team every day. More Ask LOJ questions coming. Can we rebuild around Don? Very much of a theme with one really interesting idea for the Jazz if they want to try it. Uh, coming up on one trade possibility that maybe can get it done for the Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. I was just down there the other day, got super service uh, from the crew. I'm driving the Hyundai Sonata right now. It's absolutely fabulous, and I had to have something looked at. Boom, boom, they got it done. Major construction going on at 4646 South State Street while they rebuild that place into a new Taj Mahal. Uh, some great work. I've got, just bought the Ionic, uh, the, the electric car that's kind of taking the world by storm. It's terrific. The new Ionic 6 is supposed to be even more terrific. Uh, we also own two of the Santa Fe's. So the lineup's unbelievable. The Murdochs have been in business in Utah for over 80 years. We'll give you the best uh, experience possible. They are not charging you more than MSRP on any of their vehicles, so they're going to make sure that you get a great experience uh, there. Feel free to email me first. We'd love to set you up. If you're looking for a car, you're going to go down to Murdoch and you're going to find out that the Hyundai gives you the most dollars for the value as well as uh, great customer service and the Murdoch family. So feel free and email me first because I can set you up with a VIP meeting. Want to make sure you have an absolutely great uh, experience. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Summit Cap. Summit Cap's an interesting group. It's Summit Capital. It's a local investment group made up of successful business operators, Jeff and Matt and David, uh, all over there. They provide capital for management seeking to buy out the owner of the business they're working in. So if you're working in a company or you know someone's working in a company, they're rising up there like number two or three and the family owns the company. There's more that can be done, but the family's maybe not on that timeline. Uh, then I think what you the next step of this is you go, Summit Cap comes in, gives you the capital, buys out the family, the family wins, and then they work with you to build this business to a brand new levels. 
And that's pretty great. Uh, they're entrepreneurs themselves. They invested in Lockdown. They were super to deal with. Uh, they weren't like manufacturing timelines. They were letting you run the business. If they didn't have the expertise, they just asked the good questions and helped direct you in the right way. Uh, super group. Feel free to email Matt at LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com or text Matt at 801-796-2033. That's 801-796-2033. It's SummitCapUtah.com. Jump board, see if you can change someone's life by getting in. You certainly would, but getting involved with Summit Cap. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Make NBA Big Board your second listen, getting ready for the NBA draft. All right, let's continue through with all of our great questions today. You guys really have rocked it um, so far. Here comes the next one coming in. It is from Joshua. If the Jazz don't get an offer for Donovan, that they are comfortable with. Is it a realistic option to trade all the other veterans, still lose enough games to start the rebuild with Don on the roster while waiting for a desperate team to trade for him? So this route is, all right, nothing materializes. You move Boyan and Malik Beasley to for Russell Westbrook and you, and you get two draft picks. You move Mike Conley for something else at some point. And then you have... Donovan scoring 35 points a game on a team that's not particularly winning a lot of games. You get a good draft pick, and maybe Donovan gets a taste of, hey, this is my team, I'm building it, and this is our rebuild, and feels you know really connected. It's a little bit like the Paul Pierce question of a moment ago, but it's a, you know, it's and maybe you get lucky, and you win the lottery, and you get Victor, and then Don really sees it. Don would have, you'd have to have really strong communication with Donovan to understand where he stands in life. And maybe he doesn't know yet, right? So does Donovan know that no matter what, I'm not coming back to Utah? I've heard some people say that. I think I even heard on 1280 The Zone, 97.5, um, the KSL Sports Zone. Uh, you know, does, I also think a lot of time can change over that three-year period of time, so I'm not sure I totally buy that. Um, but you'd have to know. You can't head down that route and then end up having Donovan change his mind, and then you don't get anything for him as an asset in the process. There is a moment in time here where Donovan's value does start to decrease. Right now, if I'm the Orlando Magic, I would trade for Donovan Mitchell. I think they need him. I think they build their team around Wagner, Bonchero, and Mitchell, and they've got and put Mo Bamba at center, and they have the beginnings of a really good team. Like that, If I'm... That's the trade I would make. If I'm Orlando, I mean, I could piece it together for you, but I think it's basically Jalen Suggs, probably three unprotected, one of which is going to be probably pretty good early. Hopefully the others aren't very good early. It's not a very hard trade to make. Jalen Suggs becomes kind of a key piece of it because you are treating him like a first-round pick. I'm actually not sure Jalen Suggs is going to become a a great player. Uh, I think he has a weird trade, something on him. Um and you, you know, you put together any grouping of Terrence Ross and Jonathan Isaac, and I think the deal, and Rudy Gay, and um, yeah, J- Jonathan Isaac, Terrence Ross, Jalen Suggs, three first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gay. And if I'm the Magic, the risk is next year's first-round pick, and but then I'm assuming that three years from now with Mitchell, Bonchero, and Wagner, and I'm pretty good. And then I'm assuming that five years from now, when the next pick comes up, that I'm actually terrific. And at some point, Orlando's got to, like, go for it. And so that's the trade, if, I, if I'm if i out there, I would make. 
And my point on this is that Donovan having two or three years left on his deal still gives the Magic enough time to say, hey, this is a place you want to be. This is a great place to live. The taxes are good. Look at our new practice facility we just built. This is a place where you should, you, you actually can make home and it's actually a better spot for you than New York. You'll enjoy this. You get the quiet, but you also get the fame and we're good. And, but if you get Donovan down to like a year or 18 months left on his contract, that gets really hard for the other team. So there is a point here where Donovan's value is higher right now um, than it would be otherwise. Next question coming in comes from uh, Scott. Uh, in your opinion, what's more important for Jazz fans, consistency or championships? So I love this question. I think this is what's fascinating to me. If I've listened to our fan base over the last two and a half years, my answer to this would very clearly be championships. That what everybody wants is a championship. I'll be curious to listen to our fan base over the next three years. I've said this, as a not, not as an owner, not as a GM, not as a player, not as a coach, as a play-by-play announcer, okay? As a play-by-play announcer, I would prefer to call 50 wins, 52 wins, be a part of a journey, wonder if you might be good enough, get into the playoffs, have that ex- experience, and then hope, you know, maybe something breaks your way, or maybe an ankle sprains your way. I get it. Like, that's a pretty, like... Loser mentality. Yeah, I mean, I'm mocking that, but I get it. Like, I get it. It probably is. Like, I'm looking at it as September 29th, training camp opens, to May 1st, level of entertainment the whole time, totally enjoyable. And if if we never win a championship, eh, who cares? Like, it's really hard to do. Cleveland won it because LeBron was born in Akron. You know, big markets. It's hard. Like, it's really, really hard. I'd like to get back to a finals. You know, when we were up on the Clippers, I like literally said to Ron, like, oh my gosh, we're going to call a Western Conference final. It's going to be amazing. And then didn't, then the second half happened. Um, I jinxed it. You know, so yeah, like I want those experiences. So that's just from my standpoint. So I'm probably a consistency guy. But if I've listened to our fan base, they, they're definitely a championship. It's what everyone said. And no question, ownership, general manager, head coach, players should be championship. I got it. And if you're a franchise that suddenly your players start to think that you're what I'm talking about, you're in a real trouble because then they're, they're not going to buy in any longer. So you better be careful about what I'm saying as your answer because it's, it's not the greatest script for success is this idea that, hey, I'm just going to go be you know, consistent and 50 wins every year. But I, but I actually find myself on the consistency camp. Well, that's the poll question I'll throw out there today uh, that I threw out there today. Consistency or championship? Like, I think, I think, I love that question. Um, and I think that's, a, I, I really think that that's, so answer the poll question, give your thoughts uh, from Scott, elaborate a little bit if you want to uh, in the chat room. I'll be curious to hear what everyone has to say. What moves are out there to improve the roster keeping Don? So this gets back to the same idea of, can we keep Don at this point? And build enough around him that we want to keep him. Well, here's a specific idea from Eddie. SGA feels like he's not on the Thunder timeline and would be a great backcourt mate for Donovan if the Jazz wanted to stay competitive. Any chance the Jazz could overwhelm OKC with one of their new draft assets and surprise us all? 
I give this a 1 in 100 chance. So SGA and Donovan would be the perfect backcourt. It would be the perfect backcourt. I am 100% with you on that. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander uh, is who SGA is. If you're not uh, familiar with that name, he has been kind of hidden in the um, with the Thunder. He was with the Clippers. He was part of the Paul George trade. He's 6'6". He can play the one. Uh, Donovan could slide to the two, but at 6'6", with a 6'11 wingspan, Gilgis-Alexander can guard all across the board. The interesting thing to me, frankly, about uh, Gilgis-Alexander is I think he's the next... Part of the reason why I think the Knicks have to trade for Donovan is that there's actually not another Donovan coming, if that makes sense. There's not, like, you go look at who the best players are, there's not another guy. The next closest guy to be available, I do think, could be Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's terrific. He might be better than Donovan because of his size, right? Long term, I don't know which of those two. Like, if I had to make a pick for one of those two the rest of the way... I might go with Shea at his size. Now, he has not held up, and he's also been buried because of the Thunder. But, I mean, he did average 25-5-6 and six last year. Um, blocked a shot a game. He's not nearly the shooter Donovan is. He shot 30% from three last year, which is why they'd be perfect together. He has the size, which Donovan doesn't have, so they each complement each other. Yeah, I don't know how you do that trade. Um, with the Thunder, you're giving up. You know, they're going to want four first-round draft picks, probably unprotected. And you're into a, again, you probably have to know exactly what's going on with Don. It would be a pretty tricky game, but he's under contract for five years at 30 million. It would be amazing. Yes. You go put, you know, the Thunder would have to decide that they need more bows in their quiver, quivers in their bow, whichever it is. And that, that seems like that's probably not something that they need at this point, but um, that would be the concept. Uh, We'll continue. Great. Long-term jazz question coming at the end here from Spencer. Probably that we uh, I'll hold for a longer, more fun conversation um, as well. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net, home for all your sports needs, information, betting information, podcasts, all the rest. Fastest and easiest way to check out all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. It's the number one source for your pro and college football betting needs and sports. Find all the latest developments, game matchups, and the rest at Bet Online. College football this weekend. We got all three of our clubs involved. And you can get involved at betonline.net. BYU going down to Southern Florida, I think it is. Utah going to play Florida. And Utah State heading to Alabama. It's kind of awesome. Uh, get involved in all of them. Or, of course, you can bet on Akron, a 19 point favorite against St. Francis. On Thursday night, and when then we probably need to talk. Or if you're doing Rhode Island versus Stony Brook. Southern Utah is a three-point favorite against St. Thomas this week if you really want to jump in and all the action that's out there. But that tells you the depth of which goes on at bet online. Oregon, Georgia is a 17-point favorite against Oregon. BYU a 12-point favorite against South Florida. Utah is just a three-point favorite against Florida as much as I listen to this KSL, the sports zone in 12 eight zone sounds like a mismatch of dominating performances for Utah, and they're just a three-point favorite. That's it. Surprising me. I expected the way I was listening to the shows, it would be like 13. If you're around this weekend and you're a little buzzed and you decide, ah, no big deal, well, it is a big deal out there if you are driving while impaired in any fashion at all. 
You think to yourself, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? My reality, I'll just slow way down. I'm high. It's cool. I'm stoned. I'll just, no, no, no. Not only are you putting yourself in danger, but everyone else around you. So stop kidding yourself. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. You get a DUI in any form. Do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. And you drive high, you get a DUI. It is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for tuning in. All right, here's this great question that came in from from Spencer that I wanted to at least throw out there for everyone to chew on. Um, And then we'll see. I don't know if I'll be able to have enough time to really get to this. It's quality. This is a fun one. Spencer does a great job. You should follow him on Twitter. Um, if you could take any jazz player in the history of the Utah Jazz at any point in their career, what would be your starting five to try and win a championship this season? So Gobert's my center, no question. But then Stockton, Darren, Donovan, Booz, Memo. Memo's my backup five, so I can stretch it out. Mailman, Hornacek. Play around with that one in the chat room if you want to. I left it. I put it out there a little early. Um, but I w- I'll come back to it. I think that's a fun conversation. Uh, maybe we'll do a live show with different thoughts on that next week. I think that's a great one. Spencer's like taking my job. Um, he's doing with uh, all sorts of these um, great questions. All right, let's continue. Uh, Adam says, the last time the Jazz tanked, they ended up with Dante Axum, who was a washout. You would think that you would sour the Jazz on tanking. Why would you waste another season just for another potential bust? Well, ideally, you're not going to miss. The draft, it is a gamble, though. And I don't. I actually think if you're going to do this, it's not a one-and-done shot the way we did with Dante Exum last time. You know, that was a unique thing where we went and got it done after one year. We then continued on uh, when, when Rudy developed and Donovan d- and came aboard. But I... I think you're you're not going to hit, right? So the process in Philadelphia missed on Jaquil, Jalil Okafor, hit on Joel Embiid, right? Missed on Markel Fultz, but kind of hit on Ben Simmons. Um, and that's part of the process is that you're, you're not shooting 100%, but you're trying to give yourself as many shots as you possibly can. That's what OKC has done by compiling all of those picks. That's what is being done by Houston compiling all those picks on Harden. That seems to be what Utah's following after the Rudy Gobert trade. Now, it's still time to tell. That's not complete, and it'll be interesting to see whether or not that is entirely where we go um, with this. So um, I, I, I think the answer on that is why you would do it again is because it's actually the route by which you would get better, and you, you do miss on Dante Exum's. That dra- if you go look at that draft... There's not a lot of players after Dante in that draft that were immediately picked at work. Nick Stauskas, Julius Randle, Marcus Smart. You know, you missed that draft just came up short a little bit. Um, this question is about whether Gordon Hayward returns to the Utah Jazz. How would we react? It'd be very interesting to see. It's the dollar figure that makes the uh, Charlotte Hornet deal uh, work the best. Uh, from Derek, if you Jazz don't trade Donovan before the start of camp, does that mean we aren't in rebuild and we don't trade the veterans? The veterans are really hanging and waiting for the shoe to drop. They certainly are. This is what gets interesting. So right now, if you're the Jazz and you're looking at Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley and Malik Beasley and these really good players who bring value to other teams, you, you're reluctant to trade them until you have a conclusion on what's happened with Donovan 
because you'd hate to lose a Donovan deal because you needed that number, right? And so, you know, if suddenly the Donovan-R.J. Barrett deal is going to come together, but you need to get the dollars high enough, you might need a one of those contracts. And you'd hate to blow the chance to have one of those contracts by making a deal too early. On the other end, like if two first-round draft picks and the Lakers are available for Boyan Bogdanovich and Malik Beasley... You probably got to do that deal at some point, but hopefully you're not hamstringing your ability to do any other deal. Um, so that's what gets interesting here is, yes, the, the timeline you would think you want to do is conclude a resolution with the Donovan situation, and then you make your next deals after that. But if there's no seemingly resolution of the Donovan deal or situation, and Donovan is the main piece here to collect more assets if that's the route we're heading, do you do these other deals on the side with the risk that it hamstrings you a little bit on what you're able to do as your next deal? That, that's a, it's an interesting quandary to be in. Given Boston's success this last season, how long would you expect it to take Danny Ainge to move the Jazz from rebuild mode back into championship contender mode? And how long must we suffer? Well, suffer is an interesting word. I think there is a journey that's a part of this that I wouldn't necessarily call a suffer. Um, but I do think, like, I think this is a good conversation for next week on, like, what is the route that happens. And I do think there's there's two little forces that are happening. There's you're picking up your draft picks while the draft picks you've acquired, so you're picking up your draft picks' values up high and the draft picks you've acquired's value is lower. And as you get better, your draft picks get less good and you hope that the long-term picks you've acquired get better. And that, I'll dig into that more, but that's the route. But I do think this is a process. Like, is it, uh, like, the idea that we're taking one Dante Exum, I I don't think so. If we're really doing this, I think it's a three- or four-year lottery work through, try to get back to the playoffs, have this thing built up and go. Um, But I don't, my, I have not talked to Justin or Danny, but, uh, or Ryan, but I don't think it's like a one-year-and-out situation here on that um so i i I don't know if that's it uh will hardy question coming in and we'll wrap this up how does will hardy and his staff handle the don situation right now how much of the current roster will be at training camp i mean it's will hardy's number one thing he has said to every single person who's asked about being a head coach is communication transparency and that's what it's just going to take right just he's got to be straightforward honest transparent intelligent which i don't think will be hard for him and I think this will be, actually, this will work into his strengths from everything I've heard. Everyone I've talked to is wildly impressed uh, with this guy. Final question of the day. Will you and Ron Boone, 1041 straight, be wearing highlighter yellow this season? As much as I possibly can. It is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in. Locked on NBA Big Board. Should be your second listen. Go tune into the guys next. Have a great one. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much.